I have notes on you too. He did. He prepped notes for you, but we won't, we're not even going to need these fucking notes because everything I know about Troy. What do you know about? Is him? not in these notes. But first off, before I don't know, I could be wrong. I could be wrong, but you are from the West Side. Yeah, I'm from Santa Monica. Santa Monica. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I'm from Santa Monica. Okay, I'm from Venice. So yeah, no, I know. Okay, so and we're very close in age. I'm 50. Yeah, I'm like 10 years shy of that. Okay. <laughs> what are you laughing at? You're supposed to be on my side. Uh, yes. Don't you dare turn that mic on, Jason. Don't you dare. Young man. Okay. That means turn it on. Go ahead. Say something terrible. You're young. He mumbles. All right. So listen, everyone. We got Troy Garrity. Is that how I pronounce your last name? Yeah. Troy Garrity. You may uh, recognize him from a, a small mini franchise called Barbershop. That's right. I was you, a barber. You were a barber. Are you in Barbershop? I was the white barber. You were the white barber in the black barbershop. If you haven't seen Barbershop, then maybe don't, you know, then you probably haven't seen Friday and you're probably missing out on a whole fucking slice of, of uh, American cinema that is, um, I think one day will be, will be respected in the pantheon of filmmaking other than just a comedy, right? It, it'll, I think this stuff will be looked at later and be like, this is some classic cultural what barbershop yeah all that shit barbershop friday like all the shit ice cube was making for sure that's just amazing barbershop should be on broadway like yes not only should be on on broadway it should be in in like its fourth like run on broadway and there should be like a permanent installation in las vegas of barbershop yes I agree. It's true. And you know who should play me? Huh. David Hasselhoff. I'm talking to you. You should. That's that's the shit. He's a little long in the tooth, maybe, to play you. How is it? Is he still kicking Hasselhoff? Doesn't matter. He's just like that. You, he looks good. I mean, listen. When you get the when you when you get to your career where you get the Vegas run, like this, that's where the real chips start to fall into your pocket, right? Like, like that Britney money. The real crazy Britney yeah. money. And like, I have some fucking intel on Britney Spears right now that I wish I could share. I wish I could share this, but I will not blow up my boy's spot. I'm just, that's all I'm going to say. Can I say that? I mean, you said it. Do I have to? Is that dangerous? The I can't. Sh- about I the shadow it. in the photograph? All I'm saying is this. Right. I know somebody that knows something about Britney Spears. That's all I'm going to say. And it's so juicy that it might fall out of my face, but it's not going to because I'm a vault. And even saying that is maybe a bit of a... Um, a bit of a, uh, a, a a betrayal. Even saying that a lot, I feel like I betrayed someone, but I didn't say any names. I just said I know something. It's very amorphous. It could be anything. I know something. Maybe I'm talking about her hair, her hair dye. Who knows? But anyways, Britney Spears, um, knife dancing. Fantastic. So anyways, Troy, a West Side boy. So much to cover. So much to cover. Right? So much to cover. How did you, before you started acting, yeah. what was your first film? Uh, Bandits. Bandits. Uh, uh, we, oh, the first one that made it to the theaters, Bandits. Yeah. It's in my notes, actually. How With, was, and how old were you when you did Bandits? I don't know. I was old. I got into acting very late. I was not my chosen profession. I, I wanted to be a painter. And oh. then I got into trouble and I left California, and then I ended up, I heard someone say, uh, I was going to school in Colorado, and I heard, I did a play, and this one girl told me that the teacher was like, oh, Troy's good, but he's just not serious enough. Mm. So and you, uh, it pissed me off, so I moved, to, and I didn't like Colorado, so I moved to New York, and I went to a theater school. So you got in trouble, Yeah. and your mom sent you to stay with some relatives in Bel Air? No. Yeah. <laughs> no, you got in trouble because you're a painter, right? No, 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 you didn't get in trouble. You didn't say that. But you're a painter and you got in trouble. Were you painting the word Despo? Yeah, Despo, that's me. All right. This mm. is why I have Troy on the show, you guys. That's I'm right. right. We're going to talk I connected about the this fucking is two dots. tones. I connected the dots. Look, I'm this- here to heal my youth. Like, people don't know that. I'm here because I respect your <laughs> brand. I didn't know Sponto, but obviously he means the world to the city and to you. Yeah. Um, and uh, what you guys have done is really, considering how I grew up, is very touching and, and important. And I'm, I'm here for that. Yes. But I'm also here to like maybe try to exercise and heal some of my delinquency from childhood. Love that. So 
so like you're my fucking sherpa i'm your like, conduit can, yeah we're gonna walk through this bags. let's we're walk gonna, through we're it. gonna fucking cleanse you right now you know when i was living in venice i would see you have such exquisite penmanship too because i would be play and i would see two-tone written on things and i was like god that's it's like really fucking pretty penmanship it's true well i appreciate that yeah and, and i'm gonna say that if you guys didn't catch that, I, I said the word despo, which he reacted to. Here's the whole reason that he's on this show. He came up, they suggest people, and, and Jason goes, Torgarity Balls, maybe he'd be a good guess. And, I, and, I, and he goes, he's, it's Drain Fonda's son. And I went to my fucking mental Rolodex, and I fucking flipped back, because I remember as a kid, I was a graffiti writer. The graffiti writing community is very small and intro. We know everything about everybody. Gossip girls. Gossip yo. girls. Big time. Yo, big Listen, time gossip. How, okay, here's the best, not to segue, but how, the best part about doing being a graffiti writer in the 90s, you know what the best part was? The fucking crank calls. I fucking hated them. The crank calls. Bro. I hated them. You Weird. know why? Because you didn't have a cell phone and they would call your house. Yes. And my dad would answer the phone <laughs> and I would come in and my dad would be red in the face. And I'd go, Dad, what happened? He'd be like, I'm going to fucking tie this guy up and I'm going to leave him in the fucking street. And I'm going to fucking watch him die. If he said that to me again, I'm like, Dad, relax. Relax. It's yeah. Joey. He's fucking with you. Yeah, yeah. That was the thing is that. We were kids. Or Jessa would call and be like, hey, this is Sly. I'm calling for fucking, uh, <laughs> that's calling for Mrs. Fonda. I'm like, fucking fuck out that's of here. That's the other connection is you guys don't know about, a lot of people don't know this, legendary West Side graffiti writer named, named Jesso. He died, right? Yeah. He died on a train. Wasn't he train hopping or something? Me and him part of ways. You and him part of ways. Either way, I believe he was a full-time in the purest sense of the word, a fucking vandal. He was an anarchist. He was a vandal. He was a punker, a real one. And he was out here like, he was the kind of dude that like would do graffiti and then try to burn down a McDonald's. That was my crewmate. That was, you were in uh, T, 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 the way. Well, we were in UFK. UF, you were in UFK. I was in UFK. Shout that out was UFK. my first crew. Oh, shit. Okay. And then Vibe and Jesso put me in TRM. Oh, my God. Vibe? Well, Vibe, this Yo. is what I want to talk about. Vibe Yo. is my, like, one of my oldest friends. Oh, my God. You still talk to Vibe? No, we I were classic, no, classic we're, graffiti shit. I know. It's, yeah. So I'm just, I love him. He is like family to me. It's just a bit heavy. Yes. Is he? Why is he not doing well? No, we he's can't doing talk about thing. Vibe. Yeah. Shout out to Vibe. Vibe's an old school homie of mine too. Oh, there was a, yeah. There was a brief moment where Vibe was in AWRMSK. Yeah, I was gone. I left you were the out. state. You were outro. Vibe and Simple. Did you hear me? Simple. Yeah. Simple vibe and simple got in the crew. And Yo, like, I saw Simple a couple years ago at the Cafe One One. I you love did? Simple. Yeah. Simple's shit. Yeah, he's such it. a character. Yeah, yeah. You say he used to rock the missing tooth forever. He just had he was like, in UFK too, right? He might have been. When we used to rock out in the valley with like K's and Pure and Keen and Else and oh my god, Bass. Keen, yeah. shout out Keen. He's got a shop down the way. Keen's the homie. Yo, Keen was one of the like when Slick started. Tr changing how they shaded characters keen like studied it and started applying it in the woodman yard and you know i was a sucker i was always a sucker and i was just like but you had hands you had a good Whoa! tag like he was amazing you could tag though you had a good tag i remember Not the despo really. tag. my problem was that and i want to unpack this in more yeah, detail my yeah. problem was i had a very i had a long run and a short life right i was like not it, i had to stop yes you had to you had to exit the game early yeah, it was not. Which is, listen, let me tell you, it's kind of a blessing because the worst thing that can happen to a graffiti writer is getting too good because then you can never quit. Well, listen, I, you know, it took me a decade to stop writing my name on every piece of paper. I would get a script and I'd be in the trailer like. Oh, I still can't stop. Look at, look at that. Is. Look over my desk. Every fucking square inch is covered with tags. It's I love it. I fucking love it. I do. I can't. I thought for sure when I was a kid, I was like, this is a phase. I'm going to write graffiti. At some point, I'm going to get a job, a briefcase, a picket fence, and I'm going to have a night. Somehow, I imagine one day I was just going to be a business person. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm just going to go home and like graffiti will be a memory. Yeah. I'll be like, one day I used to. Nah, no, I'm still no. obsessed with trying to make the perfect throw up happen for myself. Because you quit it. You quit it in all air. You were like, I can't even touch. You wouldn't even, you wouldn't even draw on paper. I mean, you want to start from the beginning? Or yeah, let's what do you want to do? Okay. No, let's go from the beginning. Yeah. So in, in about 1982, when He-Man action figures came out, <laughs> okay. I was on the Venice Boardwalk yeah. with Vibe, yeah. Bass, and some other kids. Vibe's dad was a very awesome cinematographer, 
and he had a place right on the Venice Boardwalk. And this is when the Venice Boardwalk would have Vibes. Like, dad was a DP. Oh, yeah. I never knew this. Oh yeah. Whoa. Legendary. Who's they got his dad? Adopt, Gary Graver. Oh shit! Crazy. Yeah, he was Orson Welles' last DP. What? Yeah, it was it was great. Oh, I'm an IMDb that fool. And That's we had cool. like, uh, you know, so Vibe had a He-Man action figure, <laughs> and um, and I took it to play with it, and he took, uh, you know. He had a problem with that. So he fucking put me in like a pile driver and like suplexed my ass on the boardwalk. <laughs> and never nothing had ever happened to me like that before. He was always a badass. How old were you? I'm gone to, I don't know, eight? Oh, okay. Nine? Yeah, yeah. And like boys do, after we got into a fight, we became like really close. Yeah. And then in elementary, like a couple years later in elementary school, I'm sitting next to him and he's drawing these characters yeah with like paper boy hats and ski goggles and i was like and this is 84 yeah i don't know and Oof. i was like what is that he's like yeah. it's a b-boy i was like what's that he's like i think he had a cousin in new york or something that was feeding him this stuff and he started drawing it and then me and him we just started drawing b-boys yeah and and it became like an obsession cheech wizard characters you ever do those too I'm getting to that. Okay, okay. So we're these were just B-boys, right? And so then it was like a private thing. And, and, and this is a message to the world. One of the great thing about graffiti and the arts is you can actually see yourself improve. Mm -hmm. You get a book and you're like a sucker. Like you can't even draw a straight line. And then slowly, all of a sudden, you actually notice yourself getting better at something. It's really, really, really fucking hard to become good at graffiti. So when you see shit that's good, there's a decade behind that. It's really baseline. hard. It's really hard. It's really hard. And to like, to your, even to use your finger on a can. Yeah. So as you, it's, it's the important things in life. Your can control. Yes. But when you get it, you actually begun, begin to feel empowered. Like, um, we're going to fight over this shit. Like, my shit is nice and I yeah. worked hard at it. Yeah. So me and Vibe got into that very, very young. And... You know, I was a little suck and I was a, you know, I would just catch little tags, but this is like way, way back in the day, like cease and people like that were writing. I would write on the bus bench or whatever, but I could never let anyone know because my parents are very political yeah. and like, I'm, I'm not their primary passion. Like they're my parents' primary passion in life is like expanding the democratic process and revolution. Right. And, and. I knew if I created problems or if I wasn't like the good kid and tap oh, dance yeah. for them, yeah. it, it wouldn't, it just wouldn't work out well. And I love them and I respect them. I didn't want to cause them problems. So my life layer. in graffiti was like, no one's going to know shit about me. In seventh grade, I was in drafting class at Lincoln junior high school. And I, I walked out of, Lincoln is painted in that like in, in, you know, institutionalized like taupe, that brown, you know what I mean? Yep. I walked out of the drafting class and there was a handball court and that was beige. And on the handball court was a like seven foot Cheech wizard in full color. <sighs> and it stopped me in my tracks. Like yeah. I remember it to this day. Yeah. And at that moment changed my life. Yep. It wasn't a handball court anymore. Yeah. It had become something else. It was yeah. like a multiverse. It was yeah. like oh, the whole dimension of architecture, building, advertising, everything changed. Yeah. And I, my whole framework for life at that moment in, and still to this day has changed. And it was done by ASCII, WCA. Oh, wow. Like, I just, I can't, I can't, I'm not articulate enough to tell you how impactful it was. So no, then I just, everywhere I looked, I saw it. It was minor yep. and risk and yep. all these got, you know, doom pyro. Yeah. All of them. And I was just like, it was just amazing. And I was like, God, that's what I'm going to do. And so I was like, I would copy, you know, I got a job at Heidi Ho comics when I was like 11 and I would like copy the zippy, the pinhead. Oh my God. And, Heidi Ho comics. Yeah. And, and oh my God. I was I their stock boy. My Dude. dad made me get a job. He's like, you're going to be a man of the people. I was like, I'm 11. I used to go there and get Cherry Pop-Tart comics. Yeah, Remember great. those? Oh I don't. But like, Cherry Pop-Tart was like this pornographic comic about this blonde woman who just go out and fuck everybody. <laughs> and I remember getting those at Heidi Ho and just being like, my mind was shattered. I was like, 
What? Like, yeah. No, Heidi Ho is the shit. Heidi Ho is so fucking sick. Yeah. I forgot about Heidi Ho. Yeah. Heidi Ho, Penny Lane, all that shit. Like, it's amazing. That was like the, that was the 80s and 90s in Venice. Like, there's a glow, man. Like, when I think about that time, Heidi Ho going to the, like, as a kid, going to the fucking boardwalk, going to Heidi Ho, going to the Burger Tree and going to the candy store, like, all that shit. Like, it was so, like, I don't know, maybe because there was nothing digital back then. It just feels so rich and warm and dusty and beautiful and sunny. And because it is and it was like yeah. it just and you were also a young uh, uh, you were young. Yeah. Life is amazing. Yeah. Everything's Sometimes. new. It's amazing. It's but. interesting what you're saying, too, about uh, it, it, there is a separate reality. You know, in any subculture, there is a separate secret world. Graffiti is the one that we're from. And, you know, there's skateboarding and gangbang and all these different things. And I'm sure, like, you know, there's a secret, secret acapella subculture, but fuck those guys. <laughs> but, like, in graffiti, there's this separate world. It's a set, We're looking at seeing stuff, and we see what, you know, we're seeing all the graffiti. The civilian looks at that and sees scratch. They can't read it. They think it's trash. Oh, that's cool. I like that. I don't like this. We're seeing fucking every... We're, oh, so-and-so is over there? Oh, that's... Oh, Zest must have been over here. Fucking revoked it. Okay. So, like... We're seeing, it's like you're reading a different fucking language. You're in a different subculture. You're amongst the people who are putting the marks up. And like for me as a kid, graffiti, from where I came from as a kid, I had a rough like upbringing. And like as far as like at home was was fucked up. So I was like, I needed to empower myself. And I did it. I became a real person by doing graffiti. And I put a tag up. And the next day I go, oh, I do exist because that tag is right there. And that's how I defined myself for a very long time. No doubt. It yeah. started to me as an interest in the arts and, you know, oh, this is fun and it's cool. Da, da, yeah. da, da, da. But then as I got older, you know, I didn't feel seen in my house. Yeah. So I was going to be seen outside. Yes. Like you were going to know who the fuck I was. Yes. And my friend and my friends were, they had the same impulse and it was vibe and it was crispy and it was bass and we were going to go, you know, we were going to do it. And that, there's a problem though. You start to, it's like a drug. You 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 know, the first night you do Venice Boardwalk from the beach to downtown. Yeah. And you pull an all nighter, and your family's none the wiser or whatever. Your adrenaline is <sighs> it's, it's over. Oh. And you know, like you were saying before, I'm not reading street signs. I'm I'm looking at shit, and I'm like, oh, that's. Okay, Sir Ash is yeah. BC. Okay, yeah. no, it's a it's a it's a left up there at Whisk. 2,089 million, you know, throw up, whatever, yeah, yeah, how he yeah. numbered all those things. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it was amazing. Wow. It's like, this is crazy. You're talking about, a lot. not a lot of people can talk about 90, 80s, 90s vintage West Side graffiti like this. And this is obviously going to be very niche because I don't think a lot of people know what the fuck you're saying. My audience but, of 12. But I do. Right. And, the, and, the, hey, and there's going to be some people that are going to reach out after this and be like... Like, I'm going to get hit up. They're going to be like, yo. There are some people that are going to watch this yeah. that won't like me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who I've never met. Absolutely. And I, yeah. Well, because they're going to be like, oh, that fool fucking, well, that we fool, had beef. yeah. Like, we had, I had beef. Yeah. Well, that's what the phone calls are about. I Here's had a lot thing. of beef. Yes. Well, you were with Jessa. Jessa was, a, was, was full, was chock full of beef. He's, that was part of his game was beef and you were his man. So you're going to have beef. Just by being, and just by the virtue of like, you live in Venice, you're on the West Side. They know your, they know your mom's an actor. They're like, oh fuck this fool. They're gonna nah, test one you. one time I had to fucking throw up in the Venice Circle, and someone wrote Jane Fonda through it, and it was probably Jesso. <laughs> it but probably I saw was Jesso. Probably was Jesso. But yeah. I saw that, and I was like, my heart broke. Yeah. And I was like, all right, well. It's on. Like yeah. we're gonna do, let's let's get busy. Yeah. So we got busy. Yeah. But um, you know, I had beef with Whisk and whoever. I don't even know the fuck I had beef with, but it broke my heart because like I idolize these guys. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Like fucking, I'm a little <laughs> sucker, and I'm like fucking. That's like, look at these dudes. I'm yeah. Look, go Legends. down, you see the fucking hex and slick mural and all the Whisk bombing and all that shit. You're like, yeah. these dudes are just amazing kings i don't yeah. even know who they are like, yeah. i don't know i never even met them i'm just yeah. like these guys are amazing and then one day it's like just was like we got beef let's go we're gonna go rack 20 cans and we fucking do the night and blah 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 yeah Good so times. crazy so yeah beef and that and, and that's what i was getting to is that when you're a kid and you have beef the way to the way to terrorize a writer at home the way to have your psyops against a writer at home is to crank call his house and try to get in trouble with his fucking dad and talk shit to his father and frame him and like that was the fucking currency of like i mean i don't, listen 
when they invented the the the, the, the double line caller ID shit, and we could get a couple of people on the phone and call someone, I was relentless. Uh, yeah. Finn, Finn and Alexis were masters of the craft. They would, Finn, I, you do you remember Finn? Yeah, Finn is is an old school friend of mine. He made it an art form. He would call people and have music playing and set up complex scenarios, pretend to be a sexual surgeon or tell them. I don't know. I can't even, I can't do it any justice, but like there's a whole world of just prank calling with graffiti writers, which also spawned me to put out a couple of underground crank call CDs, which <laughs> I may, I may one day bring back, but, um, but yeah, the, the, the I fucking hated them. I yeah. hated them. Yeah. Cause you had a lot to lose over there. I did. And yeah. I lost a lot. Yeah. Like it was a problem for me. Like I didn't, I mean, there was a bunch of like any kid like us, Growing up, you know, like peaking in 86, 87, 88, 90, whatever, you know, the kids that I became friends with, they were, you know, we were in party crews. Yeah. And by time it was 1990, all the party crews were gangs. Yes. And like, like my friends were active. Like yes. Gangs. Yeah. And to me, they were like, these are my friends. These are the people whose house I hang out with, da 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 But they had this other life. So wait, you're which was separate from my graffiti life, which was also separate from my life where I was a vice president of Samo High with 3,500 kids who had no idea. And I'm like, vote for me. So you if know? you went to Samo High and you were down with a party crew in that time, was it HRC? HRC, House okay. Rockers Crew. And that turned into whole High Rolling Crips. That's right. That was, the, that was okay, House Rocking Crew. Was a party crew, and then in the nineties, listen, everything turned into fucking gang banging. Like, but these dudes, but like they were, this was like a United Colors at Benetton. Like yes. these were kids from like, you know, these were all like offshoots of Graveyard, Sixties, yep. yep. Santa Monica, yep. you know, like lineage Santa Monica. Like yep. my father was in the fucking, you know tomato patch gang and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, they yeah. were MCs and dancers and yep. they had the painted sweatshirts and I was like, oh. They used to be called disco, those guys. Yeah, the and then, guys. and then you know, and then, then everything, everything changed. And the night I got arrested, well, that's another story. But then it got out that I had, was attached to HRC and then like all these problems happened. Like I had, because I was vice president of Samo High, I had to do like a student government exchange with Culver City High School. I went oh, to Culver no. City High School. I had HRC on my shoe. Oh, no. And I had people at, eight, at Culver City and they were like, they came up to me they're like, look, you can't come outside for lunch right now. Like you need to stay inside. Like there's a problem, right. blah, blah, blah. Right. At that point I was like, fuck, like I fucked my life up. Yeah. Well, listen, there's a line you cross, and uh, and unfortunately, if you cross that line into that world, those lines sometimes cannot be uncrossed, and you're in too deep. I watch it happen to kids. Like There's a, there's the a cautionary tale. I, I, I went to Mark Twain. I went to Venice High. Like I remember, and I also went to Westminster. There was a moment where I got pulled out and sent to another school, and then that had to stop, and I went back to Mark Twain, but like... I remember seeing this shit happen. Like, I remember a kid. This is crazy. I remember a kid get, got jumped into Showline, right? And I watched this kid. He got jumped in in the morning and jumped out in the afternoon. It was fucking <laughs> crazy. It was hectic. I was like, because he didn't do. Fucking bipolar. He was like, I love you. I hate you. Yeah, exactly. He was. He, he just didn't. I watched this happen. Like, I saw him get jumped in the morning. And then it was after school. And then after school, they jumped him out. And, you know, and, and like I saw some kid from Arizona came, got in fucking, got in, got put in Venice. And then. A week later, saw what it really was, was like sitting on a wall and two people next to him got shot and he was like, I'm fucking out of here. Like it was yeah. not, it was really like people, it was not a joke. It was hectic. So I saw <laughs> that shit and I was like, I'm good on that. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I need to do some other, I was in, I was in. Yes, too much stress. Like you go yeah. to a party and. Oh no. The part, you can't. It's just, I mean, no. it's just fucking, it was crazy. Like people, everyone has their own world now, but it was, it was really fascinating back then. Like, you know, in 88, 89, if a black film opened, you would go to Westwood for the opening. Oh, yeah, Westwood. And it would be mobbed. And yeah. then there'd be like oh, a crazy. thousand kids doing the electric slide, and the cops would come in and beat everyone. And it was sort of. Oh, you remember Westworld? Remember yeah, that? Yeah. And there was like, you know, there was gangs on the periphery, but it wasn't. And then it was like two years later, mm. it was like you could not go out without Hell someone no. pulling out something and doing something. 100%. And I was like, <laughs> fuck this world. You couldn't go anywhere without getting. I, I just had a memory. I, rem I remember this. When I was a kid, I was drinking, was 15 or something. We were drunk. We went to a party, kind of out of bounds. We weren't gangbanging. We went to a party. We're talking to these girls. 
And they're like, where are you guys from? We're drunk. And like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm from Venice. My name's Yogi. I was, you know, I wasn't, I was just on yeah. some neighborhood shit hanging out. And what I didn't know was like those girls were setting us up. And there was a bunch of other fools there. And, and because we were just flirting with them. They were flirting with us, but they were fucking scouts. And they got all their information and they ran back to their boys and told them. And, and, um, and all these dudes started coming in. And we kind of were like, well, what the fuck's going on? And luckily, there was a guy named Baby Roscoe from Venice there. No, it was Roscoe's brother. And he grabbed us. I was wasted. But I remember he grabbed us and threw us in his car because we were they were, they were going to make mincemeat of us because we had no idea it was even coming. And they just started like, you know, they did. They, and they were just going to get crazy. us for being, not even for being in the gang, just for being. They wanted to get somebody. They're gonna, we're going to get these guys because they're from over there. That's fucking crazy. Yeah. Like, dude, uh, you remember Arrow? Yeah. Okay. Remember uh, A E R O A E R O Arrow Little Arrow yeah. yeah Little Arrow you know he's in you know he's in that in that in American Me yeah yeah I always yeah. point him out when I watch American Me I'm like yeah. that's Arrow do you know hype I don't know hype hype in him oh, no uh, but Arrow and uh, and Reek who mm-hmm. became Self we were um, another thing happened we we were uh, we were at a party it was me Arrow Reek Self wait me Arrow Reek and Reek and Self are the same person me Arrow Reek Tuma Oh, I love Tuma. Yeah, Tuma. I lived with Tuma for a while. You're kidding. Yeah, yeah. He, I have said, stories. Oh, I bet you do. Uh, Tuma, I think maybe Fucking Freck. legend. Tuma's great. Freck, rest That's, in peace. Rest legend. in peace. Freck was my guy. Are you kidding? Santa Monica? Legend. Santa Monica's finest right there. Shout out Freck, yeah. rest in peace. Forever. Freckle? Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Yo, Freck, Freck, that was the first, Freck was the first like young death where it was like a heavy yeah, I was already out of California. You were out but, of there. Yeah, but no, it was it. it there's still repercussions to become from because that. of Freck. It's like, it just a oh. huge loss, man. It's a Bro. really terrible, terrible. And also loss. the whole way it fell out. What a light. Fucking yeah, it's a light. Seth and all those yeah, yeah. guys, and like Seth got chased around for it was. I didn't fuck with them. They were in a different. Yeah, it was a different world. So, I'm at. We're we're going. I love this. I love this fucking West Side time capsule. Oh, shit we got. Right it. Let's this go. is amazing. So it was me, Tuma, Arrow, Reek. Maybe Freck, I can't remember. And we were we were going to a party, and we're on we're on Pacific, and we're going to a party, and we come out of the party, and we're walking around drinking beer. You know, we're kids. Mm. I had an apartment. I had an apartment at like seventeen, Legend. right on Pacific, across from Aardvarks, under Big. No one went to school. Nobody, no, no. <laughs> the the thing we're was going like, to go Alex's. Go to Alex's. Yeah. Write, hey, write me a note. Yeah, no, it was like all my friends would be like, "Yo, could you write me a note?" Because I because I was did graffiti, I had good penmanship. Yeah, I'd be like, "Yeah, I'll write just like your mom." Yeah, they were like, "Go, go to school." I get up in the morning, I'm like surrounded by black books and weed. I'm like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" I'm not doing anything. And um, so we're at this party, and we walk out. We all have beers in our hands. We're walking out of the party, and we're walking up to Pacific. And there's a bunch of people in the park. They used to call it Hooker Hill. Sorry, sex worker column, sex worker mound. <laughs> they used to call it back then. They were very PC. Uh, sex worker on. They were on sex worker mound, and we we look at them, and and it's a bunch of guy, a bunch of cholos and shit. And we're like, that's whatever. That's Venice. We're not tripping. And we're walking towards them, and someone goes, they're going to their trunk, and we're like, and again, it's like people joke like that all the time, and I'm kind of I'm kind of disassociated, like spaced out always, and and I realize that people, <laughs> people next to me are starting to break, like Reek and Arrow go this way. Um, Tuma, I don't know where he fucking went. He went another way, and I didn't move yet. I still didn't know what was going on. And I finally make out what's happening. And they had gone, these dudes had gone to their trunk, pulled out fucking shotguns, and were running towards one was running towards me, like 20 feet away, running like like this with a shotgun. And I was like, whoop, yoinks. I turn around, I start running. A couple of them peel off after Reek and Arrow shoot those guys. Arrow got shot in the leg. Reek had buckshot all in the back of his head. Jesus Christ. Yeah, laid them down right in front of my house. Fuck and it. I run. And well, I fuck run. with Hooker Hill. Yeah. Well, fuck front, with Hooker Hill. Front, and it wasn't. It Stay wasn't, out the it strawberry was another, patch. No, get up. Don't go to the strawberry patch. It was this gang called Playboys who was there to get guys from Venice. And they're right. like, you know what? We'll just get these guys instead because we're bored. Right. Just fucking, let's just all leave the a time. message. Yeah. So I run and I run into a fucking apartment complex. I run up in this thing. I, I, I open someone's door and hide in their house. <laughs> and. And like I was running and like car windows next to me were blowing up. Like there was buckshot in my jacket. It was like mm. a fucking action movie. Mm. Except like you you don't feel it because you're just, it's like you're just moving for your life. Yeah. You're not really taking it all in until later. Yeah. Then like 20 years later, it 20 hits later, you and like, you go, what the fuck? Yeah, like, what the fuck okay. did I do? Yeah. And and uh, and uh, yeah, and I go back to my house and arrows laid out and fucking reeks fucking got buckshot in his head. And like, and I, you know, and I remember the the, the most interesting thing about the whole thing is that. With all the hiding and running and all the shit I did, I got I still had a beer in my hand when I got home. 
I still had a beer with licks. Somehow I had a beer in my hand. Of course. Anyways, that's my uh, that's my story. That was like that was just happening all the time out there. It was fucking uh, no, constant. it was every weekend, all the time. Yeah. Like there was a war in Venice where people would come visit me from the valley, and literally writers would come from the valley to come to my house. So we'd go paint Venice in the morning, and they come to my house, and like they would literally like open their door and run into my house because. That's how hectic it was at that time. Right. So there was a gang. There was a war that started inside and went out to the yep. streets yeah. of, you know, black on brown violence. And like, yeah. and it was very serious. Like no, Venice and Shoreline had a war. Grape Street was, I mean, um, uh, Graveyard was always in jail. So it wasn't so much of a problem. But like, it was a real serious. I remember one day at Samo High and it was a, it was a big issue for HRC because they were, you know, Latin kids and black kids, and there was a division. Yeah. And Santa Monica and HRC and Graveyard, they're all squaring up at Tommy's. Yeah. And fucking just regals coming off the four street exit, just <laughs> like everyone coming in from fucking Gage and Florence, like everyone's cousin. I just, and I'm just, I mean, I was, it broke my heart then. I was like, this is just terrible. Like these dudes are best friends and they, squabbing and meanwhile the fucking cops are coming through on horses and everyone's fighting each other and letting this horse step on them yeah chaos it was it's chaos yeah like you uh, i mean there's there's you know and like just just being a observer you're gonna catch shit like just oh, imagine yeah. being in well, it like not even just as observer like you know my fam my parents worked very hard and were not home a lot they were yeah. home, like they were good parents. They were just preoccupied. So, you know, my friends were. I didn't. I didn't have. You know, we. Didn't, I didn't have like grandparents or uncles or anyone staying with me. It was my friends. I slept with my friends. So, you know, I love these people. And when you see shit that people are going through, it's just it's terrible. It's traumatic. Um, no, it's a. It's a. But, but, but I don't. You know. Anyways, yeah, some good. It, it help. I, I don't like. I'm I'm happy that I experienced it because I love my perspective on life and it's paid off. Like, you know, I've I I helped form uh, the Peace Process Network, which was a union of gang vention, um, gang violence intervention prevention workers. My dad hired them in his Senate office. We had a coalition from like Mar Salvatrucha, 18th Street, Nickerson Gardens. Uh, PJ Watts, uh, 60s, um, you know, and these were like old vets that had had respect and, and timed out, but they naturally were neighborhood enforcers. If there was a problem, if someone's daughter got touched or someone's something got stolen or whatever, you would contact these guys and they would go out because you're not going to talk to the police. These guys would go out and resolve the issue. And And I became friends with this guy from Watts and we put together this organization of different sets and it got to a point where it was like, all right, something's happening right now between Culver City and Santa Monica. Can we get Barrios and Nidos involved here, 18th Street over here? And can we like negotiate something to bring it down yeah. and pay a tax and yeah. level this and, yeah. and stop a full-fledged war? Because as you know, in the you know early 90s, it was just everyone's at war. Yes, it was, it was, it was it's terrible. Uh, it was, uh, the LA was lit up. It was a fucking war zone and every it, gang culture permeated every part of life. If you were a kid, if you were a fucking skater, if you were a graffiti writer, you were touched by it somehow. You, I remember even like, but I that's was, not true. Miraculously in this city, there's a lot of people who just didn't, they were like uh, oblivious, right? Like mm -hmm. I had one foot in this alternate alternative world of mm -hmm. like, Wealth and privilege. But even some of those kids thought they were hard. Like, yeah, I'm no, not all the time, all the time. But there was also kids who were like, like, yeah. what are you even talking yeah, yeah, about? Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. like, I'm like, yo, you don't understand. There's fucking blood in the streets, man. <laughs> fucking, <laughs> fucking going down. Like, it's a fucking. They're like, CIA I have lacrosse bringing practice, sir. CIA's bringing in coke. And they're like, <laughs> nah, dude. I'm fucking dorm. <laughs> I mean, like, I but think. This was at the time you couldn't even list. They were like, there was no hip-hop even on the radio it was k-day and mixtapes i mean yes. this is me i maybe no, a little younger than no me, no no, no. Like, I'm, I'm right there with you trust so, me k-day mixtapes <clears throat> the rhodium swap me mixtapes like oh, yeah. 
You know, I have. You know, what's crazy. I've kept all of my cassettes from that era. Yeah, I have four hundred of them. Then they fucking probably sound fantastic. Uh, that's what I'm gonna say. I'm gonna no, no, no. I'm gonna get a boombox in here. I'm gonna start playing tapes. I'm gonna blow people's minds. They're gonna be like, "What is this? It's called an album." It's a can we have tape. a dance party? Can yeah, we can do the whole shit. Get the linoleum out. Okay, um, fair me. Let's do it. So yeah, man. It, you know, it's fucking. Um, so let's deviate. Where do you want to go? Back to graffiti? You want to go to gangs? You want to go to my arrest? I mean, let's, to, yeah, like, we're going early down. inspirations. Well, let's let's go to what got you out of uh, what pulled you out of graffiti. Obviously, like I here's the thing. I think so. That's I can tell you exactly what happened. Okay. Uh, I think it was like 1990. I can't quite remember. Maybe it was 91. I don't remember. Me, bass, vibe. Go ahead, go ahead. Don't mind him. Me, bass, vibe, Jesso. We were like, we're we're gonna we're gonna get deep. So we went to like Builders Emporium or something. Got like some chain cutter, bolt cutter. Someone went to the garden section and cut a hole in the chain link fence. Oh, Two yeah. guys came with a shopping cart of paint. We pushed all the paint out through yeah. the hole in the fence. Yeah. I had the license plates off the car. We just loaded up the car with paint. Yeah. The workers came out, hey, what the fuck are you doing? I'm like, peace. I mean, you know, we don't have any plate. There's no cameras. We yeah. Nothing. Yeah. So we had a bunch of, a bunch of paint. Yeah. Rust on Krylon. Oh, my God. Yeah. And like doo-doo tips. And yeah. Like, terrible tip. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we, we were, you know, painting the city. And then we were like, we had done the 405 a couple times. It's 1990, maybe. And we had, we had like walked that big turn and, and got on the, on that, you know, the turn where the 10 goes to the 405 North. And then um, at Mulholland, there was like a off ramp. So we pulled, I had a, a Volkswagen van and there's all these guys in the van, pulled the van up. It was actually my mom's van. Yeah. We pulled up, me, Jesso and Vibe got out and went down onto the 405 and we're doing burners along the 405. And I had some friends from HRC that were up in the van yeah. waiting to like, as the drivers yes and uh we did what we had to do on the 405 and we walked off and right when we got to the top chp pulled up yep and uh i think we like you know tossed the paint whatever we walked really we're good we didn't have anything they didn't see us the freeway nothing they pull into the parking lot they shine the light and like there's fresh paint on the curb in the parking lot says like hrc gang and he was like oh, oh what's this Popped the trunk and just all the paint. I had paint, you know, I had paint <laughs> face and hands. Yeah, I was like, yeah. I didn't do anything. Yeah. <laughs> we they all brought us down to the station. We got arrested. They brought us down to the station. As soon as we got into the cell, Jesso had a penny in his pocket. He was like, you know, like all over the walls. I called oh. my dad and I was like, I said, um, you know, I've been arrested for graffiti. And he knew I was kind of doing it. And he's like, well, it was Friday. He's like, well, see you Monday. Hung up, and I was like, "Hmm." And oh. the woman, the police officer, looked at me, and she was like empathetic. And I said, uh, "I said, can I, can I call someone else?" And she said, "Sure." So I called my mom. I said, "Mom, dad won't. This is what happened. Dad won't pick me up." My dad ends up picking me up. You're underage. Sixteen. Sixteen. Okay. Okay. So you're not going to county. No, no, not even. Yeah. And and by the way, a felony at that time was like yeah, yeah, you know fifteen hundred dollars or something. Like when yeah. they dropped felony charges to four hundred dollars, I was yeah. like, it's a wrap. It's just not worth it unless yeah. you you know you're crazy. Yeah. So, anyways, my name by the time I got out of the the you know um, the pokey. Yeah, the I was in the I was on the news. No but, shit. On CNN, oh, Jane Fonda's son, photo arrested, of me, right. Jane Fonda's son, not doing graffiti, member of HRC gang, oh which I'm God. not. I wasn't a member of the gang. Yeah, just yeah, my yeah. friends, right? Yeah. And uh, it brought, like, it was my worst nightmare because I didn't want anyone to know anything I was doing. Like, I was antisocial in the graffiti world. No one knew who the Bro, fuck I was. Bro, I knew where was. you lived. That's how crazy yeah, shit is. Yeah, but see, no, I never, I never talked. Know you. I didn't even talk to anyone. I know, I didn't, but like, nothing. like, that's Despo's house. I was like, oh, word. Okay. Right. Like, I didn't talk to anyone. No one, like, I thought I was yeah. undercover, but then everything got blown up. Yeah. And it was like, and it wasn't just the graffiti issue. It was, you know, now it was gangs and like, you know, it was hot. Like, people were circling Vibe's apartment and shit. And it was, it, it, I couldn't, I didn't like it. Anyways, yeah. 
to make it succinct, I went to, it's illegal to release a minor's name. Right. So we went to meet with the detective and they were like, we were like, you know, this is, the, you have to throw the case out. You, you fucked it up. And the detective has a dossier, like that thing. Oh, okay. Opens up the dossier. This is a, this is a lesson for all the youth. Oh, yeah. Opens up the dossier and it stacks of photos. Yeah. And he's like, do you know him? Do you know him? What about this tag? You know this tag? Yeah. You know this tag? Yeah. And it was surveillance photos of teenagers coming in and out of gas stations, supermarkets, tags, walking down streets, sitting at bus stops. It was surveillance of kids. I didn't know any of them. Right. But my heart sank and I was like, oh, they, they've got me on tape. Like, there's just no question. My yeah. dad has a 25,000 page FBI file. Like, right. I'm... The, I'm in this dossier somewhere. Like I'm an idiot. Yeah. Like they got they got me. Like he's telling he's flexing right now. Like yeah. <laughs> here. Yeah. Unless my dad set it up like scare him straight, but it worked, and I was like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. Oh wow, and that was it. That was it. And then my mom, God bless her, I think it was after the fact. She was like, I'm doing one last workout tape. It's going to be on an urban rooftop will you and your <laughs> will you and your friends come paint it Sick. so me vibe and jesso painted it so it was hard. like a little trm you know love that trm that was the one i was remember trm was movement. deny and jesso uh yeah and, but uh and i think vision i think vision and vibe started oh, i don't vision. know vision's like a vision. i never met him i was oh, scared vision. of him he's just a legend like he he, was, his he was, name was like yeah. legendary on vision the is like i always tell the story about uh Girls Shit. loved him oh, and yeah. feared him. Like he was just yeah, like yeah, yeah. he was that dude. He, he was, was like that, Captain Seagram. He was that fucking guy. Yeah. When I, I told the story before on the pod, but I'm gonna tell it again. The way I got my name. Oh, I heard. I love this story. You heard? Okay, yeah. I'll tell it one more time. I was at Vision's house. I was with Fade and Kamlo, and we're at his apartment. We're little kids, and and he's got this house. He has an apartment. We're right like, there the on like Venus. I think so, yeah. Why do all graffiti are all stands and like, yo, that's Vision's apartment. Oh, dude, are that's you kidding? Me? The whole thing is listen, it's the whole stalkers. thing that this is the other thing about graffiti is that what people don't get, you don't understand from the outside is that it's your first brush with fame. Like oh, no doubt. you get a taste of like what it's like to have notoriety. Like I remember one of the first times when it hit me was like I was out with a girl and we're at the where I'm taking her on the on the boardwalk for a walk. We're on a date, and some dude's like, Yo, you're two tone. You're two tone. And I was like, Fuck yes. Like I was like, you made me look so fucking cool right yeah, now. Yeah. Cause I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I'm too tall. And he's like, dude, your shit's fucking hard. I was like, thanks, bro. And girls and, uh, love that shit. They love I mean, graffiti. The, the girls love looking them. at me going, who is this guy? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's like having the fucking plug at the best rest, you know. Yeah. And it's but it's on a microcosm thing. But as a kid, you're like, ooh, you get a little charge. You're like, I gotta go harder. I gotta get more of that little bite, a tiny bite of fame. You it know what I mean? It means a lot, but it's not just fame is is I think um cheapening the experience because it's you're actually putting in work and risk and yes. like so like and that shit's earned alex you deserve that well like I when someone says that. like you're fucking two-tone you're like i deserve that's that why I'm fucking two-tone look at the there's calluses. equity in that fucking name no i put doubt. work behind it no doubt you know what i mean like there's it, it means something it does it does it actually does. here's what i love about this interview is that people who may be aware of you are now going to know you in a whole different light. They're going to be like, I'm fully Yo, exposed. Like I'm an open is... book to my graffiti past now. And have you ever talked about it before? Ex Never. Oh, I love this. People this are going to be like, Yo, you're going to get a whole new. Like you're going to get a. I'm going to get new... all kinds of prank calls. Nah, nah, nah. nah. People are like, going to be like, Yo, because it's like oh. it's sick to know that like most actors. Uh, okay, I'm not going to say most. A lot of actors don't seem to really come from anywhere. They just like they're just like come out of a pod in Milwaukee and they're dropped right, here. They're like the cutest kid in school. Yeah, in <laughs> like the little hamster like, kid in school. Be a star, right. And now they're like have all this power and like, but what are you? They're like, are I smoked a little rock. I'm yeah. down. Like, yeah, exactly. You're like, sure, you are. There's nothing in there, but like right. you have a fucking past and a history and connected to the fucking West Side, which is amazing. Just to finish the story, in case you haven't heard it, because maybe haven't people haven't heard it. I'm at Vision's house. I'm with my friends. He's got a house. He has a fucking, he has a, he has a, I remember this. He had a photograph of immaculately, a connector, a connector of a, a, you know, we used to take, we used to take pictures of a graffiti piece and then cut them 
and taped them together to make one long panoramic picture. Yeah, one of those. Yeah, no frame, doubt. You know, and I was like, he knows how to frame. I couldn't even wrap. I was a fucking guy. I could barely fucking keep my pants on. I was like, he knows how to frame stuff. I look in the closet. There's a submachine gun hanging off the rack. I'm like, this dude is a god. Like, who is this fucking guy? And he looks up at me. He goes, what do you write, Holmes? And I go, I write era. And he goes, no, you don't. My homeboy writes that. And I was just like, <laughs> like fucking frozen. And then that's where I got my name because shout out Fade. He goes, you should write two-tone. I was like, done. And from that point on to this day, which I didn't understand, that decision to this day, I am that, I am two tone too. Like people who know me might not even know my name's Alex. They, just, they know me as two tone and it is what it is. And I didn't choose this. I didn't he fucking, I don't, he I don't blessed you like fucking. He blessed me. He's yeah. like, you are now two tone. And that's followed me around my entire life. And it's fine. It is what it is. People are like, what do you want me to call you? I'm like, call me whatever you want. Just call me. Yeah, but it does have weight. Like it is an alt- it is a different identity. It's a different identity. Yeah. You know, like it's yeah. a different identity. It holds a different charge. It's crazy. It's, it's crazy. a beautiful thing. I mean, to, to go back into the artistry of it a little bit, when I, <clears throat> like in ninth grade, what was I, 88, I was dabbling. Yeah. And I found, do you remember Le Cirque du Soleil? Oh, yeah. So the circus was in town. It was Halloween. Yeah. And I, I did not want to go. My mom's like, we're going to the circus. I was like, fuck the circus. I yeah. got there. Do you know Severe, the writer? Fuck yeah, I know Severe. So Severe was there. And I was like, all right, this is dope. Like, yeah. hey, Severe's here. I'm here. Da, da, da. We sat yes. there. This girl came out on stage. And I was like, I, first of all, I'm like compulsive. So like I saw yeah. this woman and I was like, I mean, you, it's like she's giving, I, I fucking, st- I was like, she's giving me energy. You this woman on stage, from the stage. Yo, I was like, me, I was like, I see you, I feel you. Like, she was part me, of the circus. I was like, yeah, I was like, me and you are gonna be together. Like, what? insane, right? What? How old are you? I don't know, fourteen. You're getting, you're getting rhythm and vibes from the girl on the stage, a circus performer. To the point where I lit, I left school about sixty times my my freshman year, and would go down to the pier, and like, I would, <laughs> I would ask for, I would ask tourists for. Um, uh, money for um, uh, bus bus transfers. Yeah, and I'll play some air hockey. Yeah, and then I'll go down to the to the circus compound and I'd hang out with the janitor. Okay, and I'd collect bottles with him. And I was like, if I know him, he'll get me what backstage. No, and so I befriended them. What? And I got and I finally out. I mean, I was like a stalker, and I so I got onto the circus campus. What? And I met that girl. No. And I learned how to. I, I'm going to ask you out in French. Voulez-vous faire quelque chose ce soir? And that's all I knew. She said we. Oui. And so what? We, yeah. So and then, and then they were like, we have to go do something in San Francisco. And so I went to San Francisco. I don't think I even told my parents. It was a problem. This is how empty the house was. So I went, and I was in San Francisco with the circus and there was, they were by a yard and there was a dream piece and all these, oh, yeah, I was like, dream, SMB. I was like, and I had, this is the first time I had seen like San Francisco graffiti. And yeah, I was like, yeah, yeah. this is like next level, next level other yeah. world. Yeah. And I was, I was, this is a, I'm so long in the tooth, but I was walking through a park and there was a mailbox and I saw it and it was like the Cheech wizard moment. Mm-hmm. I was walking and I saw a tag on a mailbox and it was Twist. Oh shit! And it was in a mean streak. And yeah. It was Twist and it had a glove beneath it and a yeah. fedora on top. Yeah. And the penmanship was like so smooth and thoughtless, right? Yeah, there yeah, was yeah. no like safety to it. It was just threw it yeah, up. One liners. Like yep. I was yep. like, "That's the prettiest thing I've ever seen in my whole entire life." Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. If I could accomplish that, like I feel I will have made something. Yeah. And that tag stay with me yeah in 94 i moved to new york and to study to pursue acting and i was walking down uh i don't know where so you just got out of high school yeah well i did two years i did two years in college and then i moved to new york and i was walking and there was up on this building there was a giant uh i graduated in 91 did you graduate you graduated early no. If you're 50, because I, I dropped out of high school in 93, and that would have been my senior year. I think I was 17 when I okay. graduated. All right. Anyways, I was in New York, and I saw this giant silver and black screw up on a wall. Oh, yeah. And I was like, I just knew it in my writer DNA. I was like, oh, that's Twist. That's yeah. the same tag yeah. that I saw yeah. six years ago yeah. in San Francisco. Yeah. I took a picture, obsessed about it, yeah. found out it was. Yeah. 
Then I met him a couple years ago and probably scared the shit out of him. I was like, do you understand? Yeah, I saw you tag and yeah. like fucking your little hand. Yeah. Was, Dude, you fucking, you were the first guy to get a, yeah. a, a black and a silver and yeah. use, the, use the spray and the silver to make a fucking, a throw up that's actually a character. He actually was the first guy to do that. Look at that. You see that? Yeah, that, Barry McGee. That, I, I, I was at an art show 25 years ago and we we're hanging out where they're installing and I went to take a piss by the trash can. In the trash can was the box that his art came in and that was the label. And I was like, yo, I grabbed that label and framed it because it's like I got a Barry McGee right there that I stole from a trash can. Yo, to him, to me, it's shout just out, like. Shout out, twist. But that, to me, that is, that is, unless you did graffiti or you are some like enlightened art student. Yeah. You cannot understand the sort of language in a pen or paint stroke. No. So I could see his stroke of a marker translated the same way in the stroke of a paint can and yeah. be like oh that's his authorship like that's that's him fucking style man yeah it's just fucking style, style. and yeah. then it's like and i was in theater school and they were like you know i was like a miscast like yeah they were like you need to play a lawyer and stand up and speak like a cop and so like i spent like all these years trying to speak like yeah Hello, my name is Troy Garrity. And yeah. I'm very excited to be here and work this nine to five for you. Yeah. And I just couldn't get it. So yeah. anyways. Wait, before we go into your acting career. Yeah. I'm a big fan of romance. Of I romance. Wanna, yes. I want to know more. About who? About the French girl. Oh, wait. Uh, about who's you? Oh, you got some fucking fire. What do you got? Oh, I'm you a romantic. You are. I can I'm tell. I can tell a fellow romantic when I see one. I did the French girl, did you ever consummate that crush? We consummated in like an awkward, thick tongue French kiss. You know what I mean? Okay, at least you got a kiss. Yeah. So you <laughs> you follow the circus. That is amazing yeah. that you had the the drive and the guile and the moxie to follow a girl around that's in a circus. Or it's stupidity. But yeah, you know but, what it was? In hindsight, it wasn't it wasn't even her. It was the pursuit of her right and it was also you know when i was doing theater in new york i realized oh i feel good like i'm a i've i struggle with depression yes and i feel good when i'm performing yes. and i was like you know what it's the same feeling i had when i saw that woman performing in the circus she was completely present oh, she was communicating yes. Yes. she was fucking creating and she was most importantly she was part of a a team. She had her gang on stage and they were dependent on each other. You're going to be right here at this time and I know that you're going to be there and me and you are going to exchange in this moment of pure presence of where there's nothing else going on except technique and artistry. That to me was I think what I was pursuing in her and what I have found in my own depression um, is that depression in essence is hopelessness and um, for a creative, yes, the the only solution out of depression is to actually be involved in a passionate creative project. Because when you are involved in a, in writing, on stage, in in fucking dueling, in whatever, and trying, you have to be trying to get better. You your brain actually becomes solutions oriented, right, as opposed to hopeless. Right, like if you put 10 rats in this jar, little rats, little baby rats. Baby rats. And they have no flotation device. Yeah. Very soon they, they give up and they drown. They're hopeless. Mm -hmm. But if you put them in there and you give them a little piece of sponge or flotation device, they will last like exponentially longer because it's that little sliver of being solutions oriented. So it's sort of that process of, being creative kind of saved my life for to further that line of thought when i was you know i sometimes i look at graffiti uh with regret and mixed feelings and sometimes i see it and it hurts me because i know that when i was doing it i was actually also exercising pain i mean maybe that's not everyone's story but my the the parallel in my life was I was in pain and I didn't have, I didn't know what to do with it. Yeah. Um, and, and so 
when I got to, and when I went to, I went to University of Colorado Boulder and it was like, I was institutionalized. I went there and there's like frat parties and I was like, you spill beer on my shoe and we're going to fight. And there they're like, yeah, you know, sloppy. And I was like, this is not my world. I was angry. I was upset. When I went to theater school and everyone should go to theater school, you have to stand in front of your peers. Mm -hmm. You have to perform. Right. And then your teacher reads you. Right. And reads you sort of like, why is your posture like this? Why isn't it like this? All these oh. things. It makes you accountable to you and has you figure out what your triggers are and all these things. I've been wanting which to Which activates look into that. your solutions-oriented sort of mind state. And so being there was the first time that I felt checked in a very holistic way. Like there was oh. no shame attached. Right, right, right. There was com competition like... I'm going to show up to perform on this New York stage and, and I'm not going to get clowned. So I'm going to do my work. And then when I do my work, my teacher is going to tell me where I came up short and where, where I was strong. Um, and, and that's a, I, I think that's a principle in life that is sort of missing in our own societies. Like how do you, you know, well, you got a lot of diesel fools working. Yeah. This fool's this, come on, come say hi, Jason. Jason. This is Troy, Jason. Pleasure. Jason's in the other room doing the God's work for born and raised. This is uh, Jason went to. The, did you go to the fish market? Fish King. He went to Fish King. Oh my! He brought me some fish. I'm so excited. Oh, thank you. Fucking love you. I'm gonna spare out of respect for Troy. I'm not gonna eat on the air for once, just because I have a deep respect <coughs> for a fellow though. Westside Redder. Yeah, I've been. I've, it's it's been a year. Yeah, you've been I rolling. Did, I see that. Like I've been good rolling. Nice yeah. to meet you. I was talking to someone about it this morning. That you know, I didn't. The reason why I got in such good shape was a confluence of many factors in my life, like deaths, breakups, moves, all these things created this state where I was like, I couldn't sleep, I couldn't eat. So I was like, all I'm going to do is work out. And I just like, and my, I think my brain went full fight or flight because I was walking around like in, in a panic. Right. And I just started, like I've been working out nonstop for year, five years straight, just just lifting weights and doing jiu-jitsu, you know? And nothing, I, you know, I, I stayed at a normal kind of pudgy level. But this, all of a sudden, it just like, my metabolism turned on and I just went, all this weight came off. And I was like, oh, I'll take it. I love it. It's great. Um, but what you're saying, two things. One is I've very recently been thinking about if I have the time, I'd like to look into taking acting classes just for the idea of having presence. And like what you said, like someone telling you, hey, adjust this, move this. Like just to have like, because I've inadvertently landed in front of like YouTube, which was not my choice, but I am here and I might as well like take advantage of it. And also I'm interested in filmmaking and I make films and like, why not know the other side of the process and figure out what it takes to make people tick. Cause I'm pushing myself into more narrative stuff mm -hmm. and I want to be able to like understand what the fuck I'm talking about when I'm guiding people to do things. Yeah. It's necessary to learn how to, you know, understand this, your breath and your breath in relation to your emotion and where you're carrying tension, especially if you're doing a play, it's like, I can't, push my head out like this and have an emotional scene every night because I will lose my voice. I have to carry my cage a certain way and yeah. you become sort of, you know, you over time, like any art, you sort of learn your technique and you sort of master your body. Yeah. You're an instrument. You turn yourself yeah. into a fucking instrument. Yeah. And yeah. then in, you know, in theater, you can, you find the weaknesses in your performance tend to be the weaknesses in your life. Mm. So if you, instead of shying away from them, if you lean into like, oh man, I'm having a really hard time playing this confident person. Well, why is that? Like, uh. You know what I mean? Let me examine that. And then let me actually try to, let me try to lean into it here and see how it feels like walk around in it. There's an, there's an interesting um, thing that you do in, theater schools that's a mask exercise it's really weird you give your actors masks and they have to sit in front of a mirror and they have to you have to create a um a, a nonsensical language like a gibberish or a sound or whatever and then you release all the actors on stage in their own chosen new language and their mask and your whole ego disappears you see people who tend to be timid or not physical or whatever their whole body changes. Like everything about them changes because they've, without knowing it, separated from their concept of themselves. Um, and so there's, this may be too 
out there, but no, there's, there's aspects like that in the arts, in performing arts that like can actually make your life better and sort of that's been i just i need to make my life better that's sick i need to, I need to do i need to put a mask on speaking gibberish yeah no doubt close. that sounds sick i'm gonna institute, i'm gonna make that happen in the office everyone get a mask figure out your language and we're gonna interact for an hour pull out some of those cassette tapes yeah start fucking popping oh <laughs> your story about the french girl reminds me of something i had a very similar experience much later in life i think it was like 2007 eight maybe I was at a, I had a company I started and I was really unhappy. I was I had a clothing company and I was like really unhappy. I hated what I was doing and I met this woman on New Year's Eve and like she had this whole life of like she was doing all these things that I wanted to do and mm. she like represented this thing and she was an exciting, you know, fun person and all that stuff and I just like went all in on this person and went and had this intense fling and I fully just was like jumping into her shit and obsessed with like making this world with us too that was going to be where we're going to be together and all this stuff and like but what it really was was that i was unhappy in my life and i was projecting myself into her life a into her and also wanting coveting what she was doing in her life as like she was in a different place professionally and i was like looking up to her mm -hmm. and I know that now, but at the time it was like this, ter this like painful, fucking terrible thing where you know we she broke it off, and I fucking was like lying on the ground moaning and like all this stuff. But then after that, after I went through that process, I fucking like right after I was like it, it, it was a slap in the face, and I was like, what the fuck am I doing? And I instantly just started directing music videos. I changed my life like on a dime. I was like, why am I delaying? Well, that's a testament to your strength and character because that's not always the case. And that's like super, super, super important. And I would, I would actually even align that character style to graffiti. Yeah. And, and I think that that's like, like to be a graffiti artist, you have to have an intrinsic sort of aggressive characteristic. Yes. And it's not, it doesn't come to you. You have to pursue it. You're out there on the streets, you're hunting, you're doing your thing. Right. And like, that characteristic is necessary in order to like you know push yourself out there and fail and whatever so yeah. you know i had no guys that were in situations like you just described and they're still morose and walking around like, fuck it she fucking broke my fucking heart no i'm fucking this is and it's like the same thing every to just no, replace I, the when, woman when i get my ass kicked i'm like it, it makes me take stock of everything and i go it's like a oh wait a minute what's happening why did i just get why did i just get smoked right now and I look at everything and I go, okay, it's time to make some changes. Yeah, I, I don't want that to happen again. No, no, no. No. Yeah. And it's not about being tough. It's just like, how can I, how can I check what's happening, pivot, rearrange, and move forward from this? Because I'm not gonna curl up in a ball. Right. And you there's your jujitsu. Right. Like you gotta but you gotta roll and flow with it, right? Yeah. Otherwise you, you're gonna get broke. Do you do jujitsu? Muay Thai. Muay Thai. I love I used to do Muay Thai too. Yeah. Love that shit. Yeah. Muay Thai is sick. Yeah, it's fine. Muay Thai is like of all the of all the striking practices it's the best one because you just you're just scrapping there's no fucking form i mean there's form obviously but you're just like it's just fucking knees and fucking oh, elbows yeah and, it's yeah, so good yeah. do you ever i always had dreams of going to thailand and doing one of those camps me too right yeah you're like, like when, when the dust settles and i finish this project i'm gonna go to thailand for six weeks totally there's a guy named trainer g on ig that's like I follow him all the time love that fucking I'm like, guy all i want to do is i want to hang out i want to teep him in the yes. ass and i want him to kick yes. me in the leg yes oh he just goes yeah and he just he's a big fucking heavyweight and he yeah. pulls a pad you couldn't you couldn't make him back no. up if you wanted to yeah no i want to go to thailand eat mangoes pet elephants and train with trainer g for yeah. six weeks yeah and just come back a weapon but honestly, like, could there be a better six weeks in the world? No, no. it's fucking heaven. You'd be out there having like good bowel movements. You know oh what I mean? Like you'd be eating like fresh food and you just work out and look like you're in your little Daisy Dukes and it's like hot. You're sweating. Oh, exactly. You got, we got, this little man just beating your ass all day. Yeah, all day. And we're, you're getting the work out of a fucking lifetime. Yeah. That guy great. yelling at you. Oh, it's great. Oh, I get, I got to make that happen at some point. It's like, why, why I, I always delay these ideas I have of things I want to do because I'm working and doing all these things. But like, you just got to commit at some point. My, my homeboy taco, we talk about all the time. Like, yo, we got to go to Thailand and do that camp, you know? Of course. Right. You got to, it's like, but it's a thing that if you don't do it early in your twenties, when you get older, you're like, it's so hard to figure it out. You got kids. You got, you got. Yeah. So he's my anchor. That's why right. I'm not in Thailand. That's why you're not in Thailand. You got, yeah. are you married still? Yeah. You're, you're married. You have kids. You have Tw eight kids. 20 years. I've been with my woman 20, 20 years. years. Yeah. Oh, wow. Congratulations. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Wow. I'm lucky. She's great. That's amazing. 
Um, Hi, Simone. Hi, Simone. Thank you for lending us, Troy. Troy. Troy came here, and the thing he said to me, he called, he goes, listen, I'm only going to do the show if the best part of the show we can put behind a paywall. And I said, you're in luck, Troy, because I have a thing called Patreon. It's literally 500 pennies a month. Yeah. Now, think about, do the math, 500 pennies. What does 500 pennies get you these days? It gets you a leaf, four toothpicks, maybe maybe eight Tic Tacs. It's worthless. $5 is nothing. Send it my way and become a happier person. If I don't get the money, I can't pay Jason because the fucking sponsors don't give a shit. They send us product. They send me ad reads. I don't ever see the money. I don't know where it's going. It's going to a secret account. I don't know what the fuck happening. But let me tell you something. Troy wouldn't even be on the show if it wasn't for the Patreon. So you know what? Fuck it. I'm putting the whole show behind the paywall. Fuck you guys. Fucking pay the money. What are you, it's $5. What are you, crazy? Just give me the $5 whether you listen to Patreon or not. I don't give a shit. Am yeah. I wrong? No, you're not wrong. This it's is $5. Work. It's work. It's, I'm working. This is exhausting. I'm going to have to take a nap after this. I just had a bunch of salmon. The brain food I ate on the air. It was very annoying for Troy. I, could I just spilled it. all my fucking secrets. I should be home with my kid. I'm out here talking about getting arrested on the 405. Like, you know, there's got to be some money in that. There's got to be something in this. We got to get something out of this. He unburdened his soul graffiti-wise. This is a legendary podcast for about one millionth percentage of the of the world is going to get this. Someone is going to watch this and their brain is going to melt. They're going to be like, what? What? Fucking homeboy from Barbershop? Despo? That's Despo? The fucking illest name ever the in the illest. history of fucking Los Angeles graffiti? The craziest hand. He was, fucking, he was fucking crazy from like April to like July. But you, you know, for such a short career, you had hands. Because you're I don't know. Guys. I never thought because I would always do something and Vibe would be like, that's why. Yeah. Jess would be like, that's why. Yeah, but that's, that's what they, that was their stock and trade. No, because whatever Vibe touched was dope. He yeah. just was that guy. Yeah. He touched something and you're like, how did you do that? He was very, 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 him and Simple were so hyped on New York. Yeah. They were obsessed with New York graffiti. And at the time, they were obsessed with New York graffiti when we were all obsessed with LA burners and doing like 20-foot burners with arrows going everywhere. If I had to do it all over again, I would have kept it very, 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 very simple. But I went too hard too fast. I was trying to fucking burn everything. I would have just worked on simple letters and been like MC We would sit in Vibe's room and be like, this is a New York E. And we would just be like, E, just, no, E, like this, E, E. And then he'd be like, no, you're not, you're not cressing it. You got to yeah. fucking cress you it. You the like, fucking flare. Like, yeah, da, da, da. And it was amazing. <sighs> Good God, times. Time. Good times. Time. Wow. Well, fantastic. Get on the Patreon, please, so you can hear this story. Because I just, I've had enough, really. I got a lot of work to do. Hold on. But it's also very important because a lot of people have tried to make movies about graffiti. They've written articles about graffiti and it's all whack. It's all until, whack. Until you get a podcast yeah. and you actually get to hear the people tell their stories yeah. about why. It's, it's interesting. They might, maybe people will get a, uh, after three years of listening to me babble and all the graffiti writers we've had on, all the talk of graffiti, I think some people might start to get an understanding of what's happening. But really, it's... Uh, it's a very weird club to be a part of, you know, yeah. but it's cool. I wouldn't have it any other way. Thank you, guys. Join the Patreon or I'll fucking kill you. <laughs>